Hi, I'm Reverend Wendy Craig Purcell here at the Unity Center in San Diego. Thank you so much for watching today. If you'd like to support the work that we do here, please consider making a contribution. Go to our website. It's easy to do. Thank you in advance for that contribution. So we're going to take a look at this idea this morning of peace, poise, and power, and truly realizing that it is an inside job. Peace, poise, and power, the practice of that does not come from rearranging the effects of our lives. It comes from living from the inside out, from making very conscious and deliberate choices. And so I want to share with you seven thoughts, seven suggestions this morning for cultivating peace, poise, and power. The first one is this. There is a relationship between peace and poise and our personal power. Have you ever thought of that? A relationship between our peace and poise and our personal power. So number one, notice what happens when you lose your peace and poise you will lose some of your personal power. Imagine for a moment taking a bottle of water, cap on, and shaking it up. What happens to the water inside? It bubbles. It becomes agitated. It's all churned up. And that churning up, that turbulence, is a form of energy. And that energy is going crazy inside the bottle, right? And then when you stop shaking it, and you allow the water to settle, it becomes clear, right? When the water is turbulent, it's not very clear at all. It's almost foggy. And all of the energy is being churned up. But when you let it settle, it becomes clear. And when you let it settle, that energy that was wasted in the turbulence is now available for something else. To me, that's very much like our minds. Very, very much like our minds. When we are agitated over something happening around us, we don't see clearly, do we? We don't see clearly. And all of that energy that is at our disposal that could be used to resolve whatever it is that has us agitated or upset is wasted in the churning. But as we begin to say, wait a minute, just like that bottle of water, I'm going to let it rest. As I begin to let it rest, and as that turbulence begins to quiet down, there is a clarity that we begin to experience. How many of you have ever made a decision in a moment of frustration, irritation, or anger, only to wish afterwards that you had pushed pause? Has anybody in this room besides me <laughs> ever sent an email where you felt so good typing that email, but the minute you hit sent, you wish you could go back into the ethers and just pull? Anybody else ever do that? Yes, it's like, oh, oh. That's like that bottle of water that has been shaken up and we don't see clearly, and all that energy is in a very chaotic and disrupted state, and no good decision, seldom does any good decision come out of that agitated state of mind. 
A second thing to realize or to give thought to is this. To live with greater peace, poise, and power, we need to examine our concept and our attitude toward this thing we call time. Do you ever stop and really think about time? Do you? I do. The whole concept to me of past, present, and future, when I really delve into it deeply and spiritually and philosophically, is mind-boggling. It's a little bit like, here I have a, the visitor's card, right? It's very thin. And it says, if on one side is the past, on the other side is the future. And the present is somewhere in between those two, right? And before we even realize it, before we even realize it, the past is gone. The future has become the past, is what I'm trying to say. Before we even realize it, the future has become the past, right? How many of you have ever spent a day very consciously attempting to practice being fully mindful in each moment as it arises? How many of you have ever attempted to do that, right? It's, it's challenging, isn't it? It's challenging. Many in the West have a, a very linear mindset of time. I know I do. Think about the way we even chart time. We chart it often in terms of a line, past, present, and future. I understand that in some Eastern concepts, time is not looked at in such a linear fashion, but is looked at a little bit more as, as if you were dropping a, pedal, a, a pebble into water and the ripples are just rippling out, but then they eventually hit the edge of something and they begin to come back. Very different kind of experience or way of looking at time. The present is that invisible point between the past and the future, and yet we know it is the only place we can fully, fully live and fully experience. It's a little bit like four people watching a speeding train. There is one that says, here it comes. There is another that says, it is here. There is another that says, there it goes. And the fourth is on the train all the while experiencing the moment in fluidity. One of the deepest spiritual practices we have is the practice of pulling ourselves more consistently and conscientiously into the present moment. So I invite you as you explore this idea of cultivating greater peace, poise, and power in your life to give some thought to your relationship with time. How do you look at it and how do you experience it? Here's a suggestion, number three. And this is one I have by no means mastered, but it's one that I recognize to be incredibly helpful. And it is this, to refuse to let everything rush in all at once. Ah, say that with me. To refuse to let everything rush in all at once. Ah, to refuse to let everything rush in all at once. We can hold a different picture. Instead of feeling, as sometimes we do, as I know sometimes I do, standing in the middle of of a circle in the middle, in the center, with everything coming at me, bombarding me, responsibilities, decisions, thoughts, events, actions, instead of 
feeling as if I'm standing at the center of all of that rushing in. I know when I do, it feels pretty exhausting. Do you ever have that experience? You feel like everything's rushing in all at once. You can't think very clearly, can you? At least I know I can't think very clearly when I'm in that space. We can choose to look at it differently rather than looking at it or experiencing it as if everything is rushing in upon us all at once. What if we held a different image? What if we held an image that is a little bit more like an hourglass? Remember those very old hourglasses with the sand at the top and the very tiny little um, portion of the tube of the hourglass and then the bottom? And you would watch the hourglass just slowly drop those grains of, of sand, usually one or two at a time. That's a completely different picture and way of looking at things in our lives rather than looking at everything coming in at once. What if we held the image of an hourglass that is coming in, in reality, one moment at a time? Robert Louis Stephen said it this way, anyone can carry his burden, however hard, until nightfall. Anyone can do his work, however hard, for one day. Anyone can live sweetly, patiently, lovingly, purely till the sun goes down. And this is all that life really means. When we're feeling kind of bombarded and overwhelmed, to take solace in these words, anyone can carry, I can carry this, whatever this is, however hard, until nightfall. I can do this work, whatever this work is, today, today, right here and now. Anyone can live sweetly, patiently, lovingly, purely till the sun goes down. And this is all that life really means. Our teacher and way shower, Jesus, said something very similar. He said, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Have you noticed that? Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Put that in context for a moment. Do you think life is any more complicated today than when Jesus said those words nearly 2,000 years ago? I think life is a lot more complicated today. Do you? Yes, yes. If he was saying this to his followers living in the life that they were living in, how much more so do we need to hold on to that, living in the complexity and the speed, the speed at which life, the speed at which just information comes to us, right? So rather than experiencing ourselves at the center being bombarded, holding that vision of an hourglass, allowing the passage of time, the arrival of events and activities to come a little bit slower, a little bit slower, to imagine it one at a time. The fourth is a phrase that I learned from reading about Sir William Oslo. Sir William Oslo was a Canadian physician. He was one of the founding professors of John Hopkins Hospital. He created the first residency program for specialty training of physicians. He was one of the first to bring student physicians out of the hospital and to bring them um, to the bedside of, 
of the patients to help them understand the importance of the relationship with the patient. He believed that the good physician treats the disease, the great physician treats the patient who has the disease. Powerful but important difference. When he was struggling in his life with his classes, he was a medical student, he was trying to, to understand how he was going to get everything done, he had an insight that came as he was on an ocean liner crossing the Atlantic. And the insight came from how the ship itself was, was built. And I'll read you a, an excerpt of a talk he gave to students at Yale University. But the idea that he got, that he then lived his life by to better manage his work, but also to better manage, I believe, living with greater peace and poise, was to live in day-tight compartments. Say that with me. Day-tight compartments. I find great comfort in that phrase, day-tight compartments. This is what he said to the students at Yale. My message in the practice of living for the day is to live in day-tight compartments. A few months ago, I stood on the bridge of a great ocean liner, plowing the ocean at 25 knots. The captain said she is alive in every way, a huge monster with brain and nerve and immense stomach, a wonderful heart and lungs, a splendid display of locomotion. But just at that moment, a signal sounded all over the ship and watertight compartments began to close. The captain said, that is our chief factor of safety, our chief factor of safety. And then Oslo went on to say to his students, now each one of you is a much more marvelous organization than that ocean liner, and you are bound on a far longer voyage. What I urge is that you so learn to control the machinery as to live within day-tight compartments as the most certain way to ensure safety on your voyage of life. Imagine yourself touching a button and hearing the iron doors shutting out the past, the dead yesterdays. Touch another shut-off button with a mental curtain. The future is unborn and tomorrow closes. Then you are safe, safe for today. The load of tomorrow added to that of yesterday carried today makes even the strongest faltered. To live in daytight compartments. To live in daytight compartments. The fifth idea is the idea of doing what clearly lies at hand. Do you ever let your mind get so far in advance, thinking about all tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day? I'm not talking about the kind of planning and prioritizing that is important, but I'm talking about the overuse of that, where we are trying to live in tomorrow and the next day and the next, and it hasn't even come. Anybody else relate to that but me? A few of you, a few, a few of you. This idea to do what lies clearly at hand, this, to me, is why our, our meditation practice is important. Our meditation practice, those, those times in quiet and stillness and alone time, to really get as clear as we possibly can, to let the turbulence of that water quiet down so that we can be clearer about what is our next right action, what is our next right step whether as an individual navigating the complexities or fullness of our life, or whether it is us as a family unit or a spiritual community or a nation, 
to give ourselves that opportunity to be more quiet and clear and centered so that we can see what is the next best, the next right action, the next right step, the next right decision. Thomas Carlyle, who was a Scottish philosopher and social commentator, said of his time, our main business is not to see what lies dimly at a distance, but to do what lies clearly at hand. I wonder if sometimes the reason we might become preoccupied with what lies dimly at a distance is that it keeps us from having to do the work that needs to be done right now. I think it's worth asking ourselves whether that might ever be at play for us. He went on to say, life will not ask of you what great things have you done in the past, but rather what are you doing now? What am I doing now? What are you doing now? What use are you making of the moment that life is now giving you? This moment is precious. It really is. It's so easy for that to sound trite because we say things like that. But it is so true. This moment is, is precious. What use are you making of the moment that life is now giving you thought by thought, word by word, deed by deed? A life is lived. Only he who finds joy in, in the passing moment will find contentment in eternity. For the passing moment is eternity. The fullness of eternity is in this now moment. Do not wonder whether it has much or little. It has all there is. It has all there is. The sixth, and perhaps this is one of the most important, simplest to say, but perhaps one of the most important, and that is to make a decision to practice deliberately maintaining your peace and poise. I'm going to say that again. To make a decision to decide, to make a decision to practice deliberately maintaining your peace and poise. So what do you think that's going to look like? Certainly it can look like slowing down, Dana. How about the very next time we feel that agitation arising? Stop for just a moment. I'm not going to ask you to share and divulge. But I bet every one of us in this room can point to those places that we lose our center and our cool. Nod your head if you know where you are likely, or maybe with whom you are likely to lose your center or your cool. You got that in your mind? Yeah? Anybody not have one? Because there are those of us who have more than one we can share. <laughs> right? It is there, whatever came to you when I asked you that question, it is there that we would choose to deliberately practice maintaining our peace and poise. When we are there, perhaps it is to imagine that bottle of water that we used earlier as an illustration that's all shook up and it's foggy, descriptive of how we are feeling with that person or that kind of situation that causes us to feel irritated or frustrated or agitated. And to see, hold that image of that bottle. And as we do, to actually breathe into the moment and silently say to ourselves, I 
am choosing here and now, to the best of my ability, to practice peace and poise. I am choosing now, to the best of my ability, to practice peace and pause. To the extent that we are willing to do that, we will find that water settling. And we will find, it, it'll take a moment, right? Dana is like pressing the pause button, but we will find that we begin to experience those situations differently. The agitation may still come up, but it will come up and it will, la it will come up faster and it will last for a far shorter period of time before we're able to come to that place of being more centered. And then the very last is to start imagining your frictions with other people or other or difficult situations. Start imagining them like an ice cube. It's been pretty hot lately, hasn't it? If you were with us out at the ranch yesterday, we had a wonderful time for family days out at the ranch. And man, was it hot. It was hot, but it was wonderful. Imagine those things that get under your skin, those irritations and frustrations where you lose your peace, your poise, and therefore you really lose your personal power to be like an ice cube. And that ice cube is set on that hot pavement, and you're just watching it melt. Just watch. Can you do that right now? Can you imagine that right now? I know you can. To imagine it. Sometimes we think that it has to be more difficult than that, that it's got to be some sort of special magical thing to move us to a place of greater peace, poise, and power. But it's not really true. It's not really true. It's the moment-by-moment -moment choices we make. It's catching ourselves when we are losing our peace, our poise, and our power and reminding ourselves of some very simple things to practice in the moment, to practice in the moment. And so in a very quick recap, the ideas I shared with you were these. Number one, to notice what happens when you lose your peace and poise, that you also lose some of your power, your personal power. That secondly, to live with greater peace, poise, and power, begin to be willing to examine how you relate to time, how you relate to time. The third, to refuse to let yourself feel as if everything is rushing in all at once. The fourth was to live in day-tight compartments. The fifth was to do what lies clearly at hand, not what lies dimly in the future. The sixth was to, ma to make a decision to practice deliberately maintaining your peace and poise, and you're gonna do that the next time you feel that you lost it, you know that's the time to practice. And the last was to start imagining your frictions with other people or with other situations, like an ice cube that has been placed on a hot sidewalk and is just melting, melting, melting. Namaste.